I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Well, welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm Troy, and we're ready to go again. We are ready. Once again, here we are in our locked in our tower. Daniel, this has been an amazing week. I mean, it is. Uh, if you are a Bible reading person and you ever thought the Bible, I would read the Bible, but it's just so boring. This, <laughs> this is not this, your week. <laughs> this is the week. This is the week. You should just jump in. Don't even start in Genesis. Start in Judges. What did we start in? Uh, uh, Judges nine. chapter five, five or something? Nine? Oh. Uh, five. Yeah, it's Judges five. five. Yeah, it's yeah. five. Start in Judges five. And just start from there. Now, <laughs> Judges 5 itself is not, it's that song that, uh, well, she wrote a song after she, uh, after, um, what's her face, stuck a, a yes. tent peg through. You're talking uh, about Deborah and Bar- Barrick's yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wrote a song about how the guy got his tent peg stuck through his head. You know. By a woman. Yeah. Most people don't know this, but I have written a song based on the lyrics of Deborah and Barrick's song no way. I, I i did it's one of the finest <laughs> like, pieces of poetry no way. like like in the last couple of weeks no 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 <laughs> this is back in high school man uh, back when i was a poet or so i thought <laughs> that that uh you have to save that for a later broadcast. you know i i think i threw the binder away oh, I, I was reading this this week and i thought man i i don't know if i have that anymore but i was so proud of it all right, well, let me tell you guys about what was in this week's reading. We had we start with, we have the song, but then we go into Gideon and the story of Gideon where he leaves the fleece out and so forth. And, and that's an amazing story of God saying, uh, you got this army of thousands of guys? Well, let's reduce that down so we can see. He wanted to make it so that there could be absolutely no mistake that it was God winning the victory for him and not uh, the army. And then you actually have the first, a lot of people think David was the first king in Israel, but he wasn't. Right. Uh, and so we actually see who was made king uh, in Israel. Not over all of Israel, but he was made a king nevertheless. Uh, Jephthah, we learn who he is and this crazy, insane vow that he makes. And we have some questions that people asked about that. So we'll <laughs> talk about that. Uh, Samson's story is in here. Um, uh, we have the war against Benjamin, where they nearly exterminate or extinguish uh, the entire tribe of Benjamin, and that mm. cre- creates a lot of problems. The 51st Psalm, one of my favorite oh, psalms, yes. just a heartfelt psalm of David after he creates, well, after he commits one of the worst crimes, sins in biblical history, <laughs> especially for a king. And uh, Proverbs 14 has some great insight. And then in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, we go through the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. You have uh, the rich man and Lazarus. In my notes, <laughs> Siri corrected this for me. <laughs> I typed in the rich man and Lazarus, and it put the Richards man and Lazarus. So I hope, <laughs> that's a weird uh, faux pas. Let's hope it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's hope it's not the Richards man and Lazarus. Richards man didn't turn out. The rich man didn't turn out so good. I hope Richards man turns out better. 
Uh, also, Jesus talks about the mustard, mustard seed faith, uh, the, tells parables of the persistent widow, the tax collector and the Pharisee, talks to the rich young ruler, and we learn a little bit about the eye of the needle and have a little bit to say about that as well. So lots of stuff. Cool. Yeah, well, when we come back, we will start digging into some devotional moments, and then we'll do some questions later on. Uh, but for now, we will be right back. And we're back. Dun, 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 dun. We're going to do some devotional moments that uh, Troy and I got out of the reading. Yeah, and you know, every time you're reading through the Bible, you are you should be as you're meditating upon God's word and asking God, "Hey, what is how does this apply to what I'm doing? How does how do what is this what is the meaning of it? Trying to find a find, trying to find what what did the author intend for me to understand and so forth. You, a little bit of Bible study is good. But there's also an element of that God is actually speaking to us, that he's trying to communicate something that we can see that flows into our understanding of the world right where we are. And when you get those kind of insights and things as you read the text, those are good things to write down. Yeah. And so Daniel and I share with you some things that stuck out to us. And so hopefully you – these aren't things that necessarily – it's kind of just devotional thoughts that Mm -hmm. uh, we occur to us as we read through God's word. And if you have things that – uh, that you notice when you we'd love to hear that and you can send it to us message us text us email us whatever for sure and i actually really like this is just a shout out to you troy um you and for those of you listening the next podcast well no the previous podcast of this one because it's going to come out from uh, it'll come out on pr- this previous monday so the last sermon the finding jesus in their everyday life pastor troy talked about um if you think you hear god speaking write it down and then uh, you know analyze it in, right. in the coming days. And that actually really um, helped me sort something out that I was trying to figure out that I thought God might have been saying. But you know how sometimes you're just not sure if it's your flesh or the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and so I was really, really battling, batting back and forth with that. So um, that was really helpful for me. Um, so, I, yeah, I really encourage you guys to, to write down what you find. That's what, that's what we do. Yeah. And that message comes out, uh, like you said. Uh, um, it'll oh, be the one before this, this. This coming Monday, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it'll be no? a couple days ago when oh. this goes live. Yeah, so it's already out. It so should be out by saying, the end of today. So as we're saying, on the Facebook feed, for you people... It'll come out in a couple hours. It'll come out in a couple hours. Yeah. But for the people listening to the podcast, it's already out. Yes. So yeah, yes. you can listen to uh, Finding, Finding Jesus, Jesus in, our in, our daily, in Our Daily Life. Yeah. Daily Life, yep. yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think I, I, if I'm, I think I started last week. Oh. So, Pastor okay. Troy, do you want to go? All right, sure, sure. Uh, this was just something that uh, came out of Psalm 49, 11, and 12. Uh, it says their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beast that perish. And I, I just uh, I, I wrote this down. We spend a great deal of time and money trying to ensure that we will have houses and lands to enjoy in our old age and something to pass on to our children and grandchildren, but there are no guarantees. It is infinitely more important that we invest in heaven and lead our children and grandchildren to trust in our shared inheritance in Christ. That must be what we seek above all other things. And I wrote that last year, but uh, when I was reading through, but uh, wow, it, was, it just seems so applicable to, to where <laughs> yeah. we are today. And and because the, there are no guarantees, you know, we we we. 
we put our thoughts, our thoughts, think of all the time we spent thinking about things and planning things. I had this really come through with a friend uh, this week and, um, and, and so many other people who are like planned vacations or planned events or a conference or a camp or something, senior graduation, going to prom, all these different things that we, we spend so much energy and effort saying, trying to get it perfect. It's got to be this way. Wedding plans and so forth. People's wedding plans just completely changed mm. uh, since this virus uh, has erupted and, and transformed the way we do life and so forth. Even if you just had a, a, a restaurant that you were wanting to eat at, that got messed up. Uh, but you think of how we spent all that time, effort, and energy, sometimes weeks, sometimes years building up to something. I think of Olympic athletes. Mm. think of NCAA basketball players and so forth, waiting for that tournament and so forth. Uh, so many, so much invested time. And it, But it takes me back to something uh, years ago. And that was just, uh, I remember people spending each weekend at soccer and, and investing all this time and doing and saying, well, the payoff is going to be when they get to college and they get a scholarship and they play. And then, so for, you know, eight, nine years they're doing this. And then when the kid gets to college age, yeah. they didn't want to play soccer. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, do something different. And I'm thinking, so what's the payoff now? You know, so you really have to be on mission for God. You have to be living out your purpose now in the things that you're doing and not be investing in. Uh, I mean, if yeah, it's not it's not a sin to live in a nice house. It's not a sin to have uh, to be in a good situation at work. Uh, it's a sin if you're not doing that at in the, in the now for the glory of the Lord. Mm. So that's, that's good. That's really good. Very applicable right now. Pong to pong. you, Daniel. Ping to the pong. Uh, okay, so. I, uh, I mentioned um, without you know before we turned the mics on that um, a lot of my devotions this week are just a little darker, a little heavier than my normal motif of um, you know devotions. But um, you know here he, here we go. So forgive that. I, I really am okay. But uh, we enter judges and looking at 9:23. I guess kind of was the first thing. Um, and this is not the no- normal what you would think of as a devotional moment, but the the verse says, uh, Judges 9.23, Then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Right? And I guess where I my eyes kind of stuck was God sent an evil spirit. And it's like, whoa. And and this this isn't like new in the Bible. This This was one of the first times that we see it. Yeah. Reading Genesis yeah, it's Revelation. Be a recurring theme, yeah. It's recurring. Um we got first Samuel sixteen, uh, where it happens to Saul. It says an evil spirit from God. God sent an evil spirit to Saul to torment him. Mm. Uh, and in second and that's several times in the Old Testament this happens, but even in the New Testament, come to find out, in Second Corinthians twelve, Paul says that God gave him a spirit to torment him. For some reason, Paul, we never know. We never come to find out what that reason was. Um, But Paul gets that. Um, And all these things speak about demons of Satan, spirits of Satan, but from God. And it's a really, I think, important word, distinction. Um, It really highlights, I think, how God is willing to use whatever means necessary to accomplish his goals. Um, for For the Christian who's following Jesus, I think this is extremely good news. You know, we think... You know, our first thought of, oh, God's sending an evil spirit. That's not good. That's not a great thing. But I think for us, that's extremely good. Um, and, and first of all, why? I think is we want God to have control over everything, right? right? 
Uh, if things like viruses or demons um, have, you know, are out of his control, then we have no hope right. of anything. Um, we we even see that in the demons' reaction to Jesus in the Gospels. Um, they knew he had authority to direct them and drive them out, almost from personal experience. It seems like, um, right. and uh, um, and that's why they feared him. And that's that's the God I want right. to be following and fearing. You know, it's I don't want the God that doesn't have that kind of autonomy and control over matters. Um, otherwise, I would have no hope. So right. in the things that seem weird and dark, and why would God send an evil spirit? That's that's hope for the believer. Um, right. It's only dangerous if you're not following him. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So anyway, that was that that brought me some hope. It's weird, but that's that's it's still a good that's word. where I caught. Yeah, really good word. yeah, <laughs> awesome. Sweet. All right. Um, hit it back. Okay. Back to me. Uh, Luke 17, verses 7 through 9 says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he is coming from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? Mm. But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. I think not. And and uh, that, um, well, when I'm obedient to the Lord and do what he asked me to do, um, there, there's no guarantee that there's a reward for that. In fact, <laughs> I don't deserve to be able to serve him in the first place. Just the fact that he allows me to be a servant, to be in his company, to be a part of his will, uh, is is a gift. It's mm-hmm. an act of God's grace. We we've, We act like we... Uh, who you know? I just I can feel the arrogance of myself and and people in the world when they say, "Who is God that He tells me what to do or commands me?" And you think of that statement, "Who is God <laughs> that He would tell me?" It's like He's God, <laughs> and and if He you know if you if you don't believe He's real, then I don't know why you're having the discussion in the first place. I do something else. But the but if but if He is real, obviously, and we believe He is. And created everything. He has every right to tell us what to do, and uh, and we understand that there's just been a grace been extended to us. It is uh, it's so easy to fall into a mindset that there will never be a consequence, there will never be a repercussion for the the decisions I'm making today. That uh, everything I'm doing, that but but Jesus says, you know, when you, when you're doing things, when you're serving other people, just just realize. It, let me. I wrote it down. He says everything. Uh, Everything in my heart tells us that we need to just lay down the things that I'm doing for money or for reward or or for or to be treated well. But uh, but Jesus tells us, you know, don't don't seek after these things. Just just do it because that's what it is that you were told to do. And realize that we are unrighteous, unworthy uh, people. And by taking that position, that posture of humility, uh, then we we actually get to enjoy the greatest amount of God's blessing in that respect. Because then what we receive is what God wants to give us, and and then and we don't have a preconceived notion about what that needs to be. But uh, we, we really have to continually remind ourselves of our position before Christ, that I don't teach Sunday school because I'm trying to help the church out. I don't I don't do I don't serve in a role of a deacon because 
you know, I deserve to be able to do that because I've been in this church for so long and I just, you know, I don't have the role of a pastor because I'm just such, I'm a great speaker or I got this pedigree or I got this degree or whatever. I'm, I'm entrusted with that just by God's grace. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve the positions, the roles we get to serve. We get to serve at God's pleasure. And if he chooses not to use us in that role, then he can choose not to use us in that role. And we do something else. Yeah. Um, but um, but just, to, just thank him for the what he does allow you to do and, and do it with, uh, with gladness. Mm. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Um, going, to, going to Judges chapter 10. It's the next, actually very next chapter from the one I just did. Um, it says in 10 verses 14 to 16. 14 through 16 says, um, you know, Israel, a little bit of backstory. Um, if you haven't read it, um, the anger of the Lord is burning against Israel in this time. They've turned from him and started serving other gods, and now they're in trouble. You know, the, the age-old refrain over and over again. And um, God's, they're crying out to God, um, and he says, I'm going to deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you've chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your distress. And then for 15, the sons of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And he could bear the misery of Israel no longer. And um, man, I just feel like this section really speaks to the constant but and dynamic nature of God. Um you know, scripture takes great pains to establish the fact that God doesn't change, but that doesn't mean that he's static either. You know, we get a really clear image here of God's dynamic nature and his love for his people. We like to jump to parts of scripture that only paint God as this unchanging and thing and stop there, I think, because it's safer for us maybe to do so. Um, it kind of reminds me of the picture of Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Um, and and how um, you know a safe God, little G, a safe God is a manageable God. Um, one that I created. One that I created. Yeah, one that looks probably a little bit like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but a God, capital G, God that can get angry and withhold protection, and even have his heart broken by the repentance of his people. I I I can't put that in a tiny tidy box. You know, um, that that scares me a little bit sometimes, um, but I think it's right that it scares me a little bit. Um, This God that I I fully and wholly believe that he does not change his nature, but that doesn't mean he's a God of stone. You know, he's he is a personal, personal God who feels and dynamically interacts with his people. Um, Otherwise, prayer wouldn't work. Um, and that's, I mean, even in the scary parts of God, the, the not safe parts of God, I think there's, there's goodness. Um, and that's, yeah, that's exactly what actually what the line is, I think, from the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, of course he's not safe, but he is, he's good. He is. Aslan. My grandson is wanting to read through the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm excited about Mm, doing that. That's fun. When we were growing up, my earlier memories of... Um, we would we would do kind of a variant of family worship um, at night. We would get ready for bed, and each night my dad, usually my dad, sometimes my mom, but um, he would come up, and we would sing, we would pray, and we would read something, um, sometimes from the Bible, but most of the time I remember it being the Chronicles of Narnia, just on repeat over and over and over again. So it was drilled in my brain. Um, I've got one last thing. Do you have something else? Mm-hmm. Um. um. I, I do, but I realize it's actually two verses past where we stopped, oh. so I can save it for next week if you've got something. Okay, cool. Um, this is um, 
uh, from Judges 16.20, and it's Delilah speaking. Mm. It says, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Uh. And um, Delilah is such a great example of the enemy's strategy, how he entices us uh, through lust and uh, and to spend time outside of his will. I mean, he all the different things. Once you use lust, lust is something that uh, it's a desire that's gone to a sinful proportion. Uh, it's like when you want something beyond the boundaries of which God allows it. Uh, and and so when you are lusting after more time playing video games, or lusting after a particular person, or lusting after uh, something sexually, or lusting after uh, wealth or power or whatever the case, whatever it is that you're wanting that God isn't giving you. Um, for whatever reason God has, uh, Satan uses that to draw us into a place outside of his will. And once we get outside of his will, he lulls us to sleep in that place. And then, you know, and then it's, and then he enemies upon us. We always think of the moment mm-hmm. when we have this, where the Satan attacks us and we think, Oh, this was just, it was too much for me. And God, you put me in a situation that was too great of a challenge. And if I had, but what you're not paying attention to is you shouldn't have been there in the first place. You, you allowed your, Satan pulled you in a place where you've casually just walked away outside of God's grip, outside of God's protection. You're not, not walking with him. You haven't been reading the word. You haven't been spending time in prayer. I, I don't, I, I can never remember, you know, ministry over 30 years. I can never remember having a conversation with somebody saying, you know, I've been praying every day. I've been in the word every day. And still, boom, out of nowhere, Satan attacks. <laughs> and it shocked me and, and I fell. I've, I've never had that conversation with a person. It's always, boom, Satan attacked me and I fell. And I don't know what God, you know, why did God allow this? Why God? And it's like, how's your prayer life? You know, what's going on? It's like, well, you know, and, and instantly it's like a realization. You're not where you weren't where you were supposed to be. Right. You, you, God had, especially when God has been dealing with you and saying, hey, I want you to, um, to do this job or, or give this up at work or to be this or to change this character flaw or he's, or he's highlighted a sin in your life because I want you to relinquish this, repent of this, or you've got unforgiveness that you refuse to hang on to, some type of bitterness. There's always some little sin that's hanging on and you just dwelled there and you've gotten comfortable with it and you've gotten lulled to just sleep there, just resting in that sin. And that's where the enemy comes and destroys us. Uh, and uh, and it's just it's one of those things. I'm going to fix it later. I'm going to fix it later. I'm going to fix it later. And then boom, it's too late. Mm. Uh, the enemy is upon you, and you think you're going to have the power you had before, but it's not there. Mm. And uh, man, it's a. I wish I had no real life examples <laughs> in my own <laughs> life of where that's actually happened. Uh, but I have many. Uh, I know so many who have some. Not to the extent of Samson, obviously, but uh, but wow. It's uh, it's a sobering reality. True, but I will say that if I if someone came in and cut my hair in my sleep during the COVID quarantine, I wouldn't mind it too much <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that today. That's going to become our our single greatest need. Uh, how how many people? Because I think they're getting ready to lift the restrictions on yeah. uh, haircuts and so forth. And when they do that, um, that's that's. That's a priority on everybody. Everybody's going to want the same thing the at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a high commodity. It's going to be $1,000 a haircut or something. 
Cool. All right, let's take a break. All right, yeah, we'll be back, and we will talk through some questions. All right, we are back. We just have some questions we want to run over. We actually had a lot of questions we there, wanted to This go is over. a question-filled section yes. of Scripture. And if you did the reading, you'll know why. Yeah. And so we'll start – let's start with some things in Judges that came up. Um, the uh, first, let me just say uh, a word about Gideon. Uh, Gideon uh, – let me just make a broad statement about Judges. They were as pagan as they were loyal to God mm-hmm. during this stretch of time. And there is a phrase throughout Judges that where it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In fact, that's how the book's going to – how the whole book's going to end. And that is a, a great summation. Everybody is just figuring it out on their own. And there's a cycle that takes place in Judges of the people are faithful, like, for instance, being faithful under Joshua. And it'll say during Joshua's life, the people of Israel, they worshiped God, they served God, they were faithful to God. Then that person dies and they do not follow the Deuteronomy chapter six prescription that Moses gave to them to say, teach your children these things. Their children go away. They intermarry. They follow after pagan gods. They do everything that God told them not to do within just a generation or two. They then are judged by God. Uh, He allows their enemies to overtake them. And as their enemies overtake them, they cry out to God. And as they cry out to God, he hears them, he relents, and he raises up a judge. And this judge then goes and delivers the people of God from their enemies. Then during the lifetime of that judge, the people remain faithful. Then he dies, rinse, repeat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and it just goes, we go through the whole cycle. So Gideon is one who uh, the Midianites have uh, taken over and God is going to deliver them. Uh, he has several thousand that go out with him to battle that come up to, to fight. God says that's too many. I think he reduces it down to 300 and says uh, they do a pretty cool thing with torches and pitchers and so forth surround the camp. And uh, and in and when God tells them to do whatever they do, they when they break the pitchers and have all their torches and everything, the people go crazy and, and they all wind up killing each other. But the nation of Israel um, does their thing. And uh, and they're and they're delivered from the Midianites. Gideon, though, at the end of his life, then goes back and becomes a pagan worshiper again, it becomes idolatrous in his in his uh, habits. And so it, it's. It shows that their hearts are not where they need to be in any way, form, or fashion. And so this this just is a recurring theme. Um, and then right after Gideon, you have uh, what, what I said earlier, the first uh, king in Israel. And and the first king of Israel is Abimelech. And Abimelech is uh, just someone who came and, again, provided deliverance. And the people where he uh, when he provided uh, deliverance went up and... And like like I said earlier, fought off the Lord's enemies, and then the people made him king. Um, briefly, <laughs> it didn't happen. Uh, there was a one of the pr- problems was is that he the way he became king, uh, there was a slaughter of all the sons of Gideon and mm-hmm. so forth, and um, and so it came back on him. Yeah. So. Well, he kind of sought that out for himself. Too, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a power seeking. That was a yeah. that was not good. Yeah. There's such a recurring theme. It seems like of. God using, and this is all through scripture, God using flawed people who continue to sin to accomplish his goals. Right. Um, which is really good news for, you know, us 
as as right people who try to follow the Lord. Well, this is the and and this is a recurring theme even today. Yeah. We were talking earlier about the evil spirit that God sent, and um, and and it works like this: when you use evil means to acquire your place or whatever, those same then God is going to allow that same evil to tear you down. And I see people today who are uh, making really poor decisions and and standing against God and his people and so forth, not realizing that whatever whatever they may achieve or accomplish in, in that it's going to topple, it's going to fall. And God will use the very thing that they used to push themselves up in the power. Mm. He'll use that very same thing to destroy them and tear them down. He has done it over and over and over again, and um, and I, you know if for what you may want to say about the church, history is on our side. We have uh, we <laughs> have persevered. Resilient some, we have been very resilient, yes, as the church over the years. So much more so than other 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 folk. Well, while we're in Judges, can we just address the the elephant in the room, the last few chapters here? Yeah. Okay. Well, first, uh, just a, a a little bit about Samson. Uh, we all know the story of Samson and so mm-hmm. forth. But uh, and if you don't, then you should absolutely read it. So read read the story of Samson, uh, whether in a children's book or whatever. But to get the Samson story and uh, but at the end, Delilah is the woman who takes him down. There's a little little this is this all goes into a little series of events that's important. 1,100 shekels of silver is given to Delilah in order for her to betray Samson. And then in the book of Judges, it immediately goes to the story of Micah, whose mother has 1,100 shekels of silver. So some have speculated, Mm. is Micah's mother Delilah? Delilah. Well, Mm. there's a problem uh, because the writer of Judges shifts at this point. We're actually going backwards in time. Micah actually precedes Samson and Delilah in his age and in in the story was going, so we couldn't be here. Could it be the same 1,100 shekels of silver that later is going to be given to Delilah? I don't the maybe. Who, know. Who know. Who knows? I don't know. I, there's a there is a weird connection there, and and probably more just like the 30 pieces of silver that Judas uses, mm-hmm. just a symbol of debu- evil yeah. and uh, and deceit, uh, because Micah. Mother gives him these. He makes an idol for her to worship. Finds him a priest. Uh, this is just such so bad. Weird. It's just such a bad series of events. Some people come in. A uh, Levite priest. A Levite like priest, right? So one of the tribes sends a bunch of men up. They find it. They they take his god away from him, and then they or his idol, and uh, take the priest away and say, "You're not going to be for this for our tribe. You're going to be, you know, now you're going to be our leader or our priest or so forth." And and this just gets this just goes from bad to worse. It's just a uh, a series of really awful decisions and so <laughs> forth. I'm looking to see uh, exactly. It's yeah, it's Dan who comes up. The Danite tribe comes and takes the idol and the priest and says, "Now you're ours, and we're going to go out and fight with this and so forth." Um, but they um, uh, then in, in verse chapter 19, which is where everybody. This is the story that freaks everybody out. Um, there was it's, it starts out by saying in those days when there was no king in Israel um, and a Levite staying in a remote part of the hill country of Ephraim acquired a woman from Bethlehem and Judah as his concubine um, and 
this <laughs> this <laughs> story, uh, as it was going to proceed, man with a concubine goes into a town uh, in Benjamin. Uh, some of the Benjamites seek to have a relationship with the man uh, in an offering in an effort to try to keep them at bay. His concubine is offered to them, and they take his concubine and ravage her, and she dies. He then cuts her into 12 pieces. I don't know how to say that, not delicately, just how the Bible says it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't see this in too many children's Bible story books <laughs> as, a, as a rule. But he And then sends a piece of her body to each of the different 12 tribes of Israel to symbolize his outrage. Well, they are outraged. They all come together and say, what in the what is going on? <laughs> Dude, you okay? And, uh, exactly. Well, what has happened? He tells his story. And so they form this massive army to go against um, Benjamin. They appeal to the Lord and say, Lord, how would you like us to go up against Benjamin? And the Lord tells them, uh, go, I want this group to go. They go and they get defeated. <laughs> then he says, uh, the, tells another group, go and they get defeated. And then another is, no, this one, this one you're going to win. It is so uncharacteristic of any military conquest in any other place in scripture. This is all I believe you can take away from it. God is like, you're all guilty. <laughs> You're all in a horrible place. I'm not saving anybody here. I'm I'm punishing everybody. Systematically. Every, everybody's going to get it here. So you're going to get it, and you're going to get it, and you're going to get it, and now, now Benjamin's going to get it. But first, I'm going to let them whip up on you a few times, and now you're going to go whip up on them. This is just judgment all around. Everybody deserves it. Everybody's got it coming to them, and almost wipes out the entire tribe of Benjamin. So much so, there are no, um, they have, no, and they all make an oath that none of our children can marry people of the tribe of Benjamin. So they go capture this town, wipe out this city, take all the women uh, who have never been married before, and then give them uh, to the uh, Benjamites for wives so they can repopulate. Um, not, not enough. So then they create this weird dance every year where, where. <laughs> And they tell the people, the tribe of Benjamin, while our daughters are out there dancing, uh, you can steal them and take them for a wife, and we won't hold it against you because we should have, uh, you know, preserved your tribe or whatever. Can you imagine the pitch meeting? <laughs> can you imagine the, the conversation with your daughter? Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, um, girly, I, I don't know how to tell you this. Oh, man. Just this is one of those. I think you get done with this and go. Thank you, Lord, that I live during COVID nineteen. Oh man, <laughs> you think you think you got problems with the coronavirus? You know that's that's a thing that I think people need just to remember over and over again. It's like uh, I, you know I was reading Christianity Today and and uh, the editor was talking about how uh, he was reminded of uh, Gandalf having this conversation with Frodo. You know, uh, I wish I could quote this. You make. Start it. Start about the, this. Is not the. It's not for us to ask about the times that are. Oh yeah, I know uh, what you're talking about. Okay. Anyway, uh, we just have to do. It's what we do with the time that's given to us. Mm -hmm. That's how it ends. I know that. And um, a little geek moment between Daniel and myself. But um, as he looks it up, the. Uh, but here's the thing. This is not the worst time that has ever existed on this planet. Everybody who's ever lived upon the face of this earth has gone through some really hard times and difficulties, and you just deal with the moment you're in. 
You got it? I got it. Right, here it is. Um, Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Yeah, such a wise man. Tolkien was... Tolkien has some wisdom that he has, he's throwing he has out it. there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so uh, so anyway, that's uh, that. I hope helps people to understand. There's one more thing that we didn't talk about, and that was Jephthah's vow. Mm-hmm. Um, Jephthah made a vow, and I think the question that comes up more than anything, what happens is, is Jephthah becomes a deliverer of Israel. He is not uh, a son born by honorable means, and so he's kind of cast out, travels with worthless men, called back <clears throat> in. God shows him favor and gains Israel victory. He makes a vow to the Lord that the first thing that comes out of his house, he's going to offer to the Lord as a sacrifice. And he comes back, and lo and behold, his only child, his daughter, comes out, and he laments that he now has to offer her up. And the wording implies that she is to be a burnt sacrifice and that uh, she... um, and then she then says, you made this vow, and I'm going to help you honor it. Give me two months with my friends, and then uh, and then I will. you can fulfill your vow. And it never says clearly that she dies. But um, And so people ask, Did, is, this a, is this a human sacrifice in Scripture? I'm, I'm going to – while it is not made clear, I'm going to argue – Partially for that it is not a human sacrifice for a variety of reasons. One is, in in the writing, it is it is a time when the spirit of the Lord has come upon Jephthah. It is clearly a time when the Lord is with him when he makes this vow. And in the wording, and it all comes down to prepositions in Hebrew, and uh, and prepositions are huge, you know, as far as of, for, about, to, you know, what one does it mean, uh, or and or or are two very different things. It, and, but let me just tell you kind of the idea here. The idea is, is that if whatever comes out of my house, I'm going to offer that. You know in his mind he has to be thinking it could be a person that comes out. So if it's within the realm of – if it's something that can be sacrificed that comes out, I think he's saying I'm going to offer that as a sacrifice. Otherwise, I'm going to offer whatever comes out to you. The lamenting is this is his only child. And by giving her to the Lord, meaning she will never know a man, uh, and that and that I think is accentuated by she said that she takes two months that she is a virgin, she takes two months to be with her friends, and then the scripture says, and she never knew a man. Now, why would you say that if, if she's going to die? It's irrelevant. That's obviously implied. I think the point is, is that she's going to be placed in isolation, uh, and her friends are going to come visit her, but, um, but she's never going to uh, ever know a man. That means his line is now ended. Mm. So God has shown him his favor. He's reestablished his name, but now his name ends with him. Mm. And so, kind of, it's kind of like God saying, uh, "This is my, this, that God is the one who's doing this. Yeah. That He's saying, I'm, I'm ending your line." Well, and in the in in future books, um, in the like the Book of Kings, it's mm-hmm. God says repeatedly, "Look, the nations around you offer your, their kids to the, their gods. I've right. never once considered that." Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and, and with Abraham, we have the starts exactly with Abraham. Thing, yeah. Does not allow Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and uh, and 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 so it would be the only instance ever in the Scripture where it looks like there's a sacrifice. 
it would deal harshly with that. At least mm-hmm. it'd be something. Uh, and and later in Hebrews and even they reference back to Jephthah as, as not being a dishonorable person. So um, it is. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say yeah, it's a very safe. Smart. It's a very safer interpretation to say that she just simply was isolated for the rest of her life. Cool. And that he that he did. And she recognized that. And she also affirmed his vow and said, I will help you to be faithful in keeping mm-hmm. your vow because the Lord has blessed you. Obviously, the Lord is in this. Mm-hmm. You offered the vow. He took he took the this this commitment. Yeah, so. that's good. Yeah. So um, that's all that's all from Judges. <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, the couple one thing from the New Testament. Uh, this wasn't asked, but it's been asked many times before about the eye of the needle. Um, and the eye of the needle is one of those things that uh, there's two different, I think, ideas. And, and what it goes down to is the rich young ruler comes along. Jesus says, what do I have to begin the kingdom of God? Jesus says to keep the commandments. Uh, he says, I've done these things since birth. He says, and Jesus says, one thing you lack, uh, you have to sell your possessions and give them to the poor. After he leaves, he's telling the disciples uh, it's easier for a rich man to get in. Uh, it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And then the disciples later follow with, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, well, what's impossible for man is possible for God. There's two different lines of thought on this. And that is, if it is, if the word camel in Greek is, means camel, um, there's a little doorway in Israel, in, in homes in Israel um, and buildings and so forth. And they, and they say that uh, the nickname for that small, short doorway is the eye of the needle because a camel, because it kept camels out of the building. Like in holy places and so forth, they would make a low entrance so camels couldn't ride into it. Um, I've had people say, though, they've done a lot of archaeological evidence, never came across an expression such as that. Uh, that uh, Anyway, so they don't know. Yeah, so they think that may, that more likely... We came up with that term in looking back at the reference that Jesus made. Uh, there is another thought, though. The word for Greek word for camel also, uh, the nuance of it, can mean large rope or thick rope. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus could have literally been saying that it's harder to get into the kingdom of God. Rich man can get into the kingdom of God than to push a big rope through the eye of a needle. Um that also would make sense too. So uh, it's probably one of those two interpretations. If yeah. if you if those kind of things perplex you or it's whatever, it's still the same point, yeah. right? Yeah, I it's mean. still the same point. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so anyway, that's that's, cool. that's um, I didn't have any other questions that people thrown at me. So I don't know if you had anything. You, I, you had a question. I, I have a personal me. question. Right. Just to just to kind of catch catch your thoughts on it. Um, rich man and Lazarus. Okay. True story or parable? Dun 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 dun. True story or or, parable. or a weird hybrid of the two? Uh, well, the argument for the true story part is the only parable in which Jesus includes the name of an actual person, mm-hmm. um, and which is Lazarus, and Lazarus is actually someone who he uh, does um, deal with later. And in the story, Jesus says. Or the guy asked, he said, you know, if you would send him back, then uh, all these people would believe. And um, and Abraham, I think it's Abraham mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. story, says, if he won't believe Moses and the prophets, if your friends and family won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe if a, a man, dead comes man comes back from back the dead. Life. Lo and behold, Lazarus, Lazarus comes, comes back, back. Comes back <laughs> from the dead. So yeah, that's a... 
I lean on this one probably a little bit that this is this is Jesus taking a moment to share something that's actually true. Some legit. Yeah, something, at least got to yeah. be some. Le- There's got to be some connection. Something. There. Too going on. many particulars yeah. in that story that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, it's the same. Has the same potency either yeah, way. Yeah, sure. I'm just curious what yeah, you're thinking. A lot of correlations. Yeah, I, 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 I'll follow that line. I know yeah. people who don't, but, uh, but yeah, it does. It does lend itself for me to think. Yeah, that's true. Cool. All right. Um, are you good? I'm good. All right. I'm, I'm out of stuff. So when we come back, we're just gonna give you guys a couple little announcements and uh, kind of thinking forward to the future. Um, and we, um, it'll just be real quick. So we'll be back. All right, we're back. What do we got coming up, Pastor Troy? On May 10th, we're actually going to be back in the sanctuary. We're excited about that. We keep everybody's, we keep maintain that six feet of separation the entire time. We've arranged the chairs in the sanctuary where there are clusters of three, six feet apart. And so if you come in with like your family, we'll move chairs around to where your family can be together, but maintaining that six feet of separation. So we'll have, it'll take a little bit of time. And that's a big deal because we have, we've been given a lot of trust by the governing authorities here um, to be able to do this. There are a lot of states that are not letting churches do this, do not want churches to meet. And we have been given a lot of trust. So we really do need to. We're taking it very seriously, keeping everything wiped down, making sure we maintain, again, that separation, making sure all of our volunteers will be asked to wear masks. You might not see them with gloves on, and the reason is because gloves are, are kind of a, a – it's a mistake to think that gloves are hygienic. It's actually – they are actually carry a lot of stuff, and so it's better just to keep your hands clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of hand sanitizer, uh, but we will have everything wiped down and clean, uh, and we're going to – it'll be a test run to see whether we can get everybody in. Uh, if yeah. uh, We're hoping we have a significant group of people who still come to the drive-in to kind of alleviate uh, the crowd. We get, we're half capacity, so um, – so we, we, yeah, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. We do have overflow ideas. We'll move people into the fellowship hall. You'll watch uh, the service on the closed circuit thing. But uh, we may have to add another service if, if we have to. Yeah. That would be a good problem. That would be. I mean, if so uh, many people show that. up, we have to do two services. That's what we'll do. So. Yeah, and the balcony will be open. For those of you who don't know, the balcony still right. exists. Right. It will also be that six feet of separation thing. Everything six feet of separation. Yep. That's yep. the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and we have a baptism May tenth. Yeah. So, so our first Sunday back, we got a baptism. So we're excited. excited. It's gonna be an awesome week. It's gonna be good. A lot of good things. So May third, drive in, uh, live stream at nine a.m. Drive in at ten thirty on May tenth and following. It will be drive in at nine a.m. and the um, live stream and live worship at ten thirty. So so if you want to stay home. It is still going to be live stream yeah. Yeah, we will at 10.30. And yeah. we'll always live stream. It just yeah, we always have. Always yeah. have, always will. Yeah. So. All right. Thank you, Pastor Troy. Thank uh, you, Daniel. Been good. A lot of good stuff. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. Email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways or you can call the church office at 573 243 and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.